five reasons why self-confidence is so important in your daily life. So true. We have to remind ourselves of that every single day. How you show up and believing in yourself, there's nothing more than important. I was reading this off Rob Temple's website. It's bam, right there in front. That's right. My next guest, Rob Temple, was a blast. He's a lot of the things that embody my mission. He was inspiring, funny, informative, and we just had a blast. And I must admit, he's from England, and I just could have listened to him all day because I love his accent. And here's the deal. What he's providing for his clients, he took all the skills that make him so special and ignite his fire to ignite his client's fire. It's funny. It was just so funny to see how he went from an amazing coach putting out all this great material and he was a I guess we would call it a comedic hypnotist so he didn't hypnotize people he didn't go there in coaching sessions but he'd go on stages all around performing these amazing acts and now he's taking that into inspiring people to truly see the value in themselves and the programs he offers are just incredible he wants to reach as many people as possible and i know this young man is going to do it he 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 was just such a blast and so refreshing i know you are going to love it have fun enjoy This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my Let's Keep It Real people. I'm so excited. Yes, you requested Sandy. Please get people from around the world used to do that. We love the United States, but come on, there's great peeps out there. So you ask, you receive. This week's awesome and inspiring guest is Rob Temple. Now, I was doing my snooping about Rob and, you know, we have a lot of the same opinions, but he has some things that really, I thought, woo, that would be fun to know more about. So let me tell you about him. Rob is a comedy stage hypnotist. So get that one. I can't wait to find out more about that. I was doing some stupid. I still can't figure it out, but it looked like a lot of fun. He's an entrepreneur and he is obsessed with personal growth, happiness, confidence, and building a life that is truly you. You know, I'm all about that. He loves to travel. He might not be doing so much of that right now, but maybe share his ideas and insights and help other people to build their own success. Rob, welcome. Hey, Sandy. Thank you for having me. 
I am so freaking excited. I just want you to know, I almost wanted to be your client. I was going on and I was looking through your stuff and I thought, oh my God. First of all, love the red hair. I mean, is it always red or do we change it month to month? No, it's uh, it's been red for like, well, I'm 32, uh, 33 now and uh, I've had it since I was 18. So yeah, it's uh, it's kind of stuck in, st- stuck, stuck in, st- stuck. So here's the deal. I'll make sure that we put pictures of you. But, you know, sometimes my friends will just, you know, highlight my hair just because they think it's cool and I'll have pink highlights that can wash out or green. So is there a reason it's red? So sort of and sort of not. Literally, when I was 18, uh, I moved out of my parents' house uh, and um, they, they're great parents, but me and my dad clash a little bit. And I moved out and moved into a flat with my girlfriend at the time and our friend. And okay. one day I just decided, uh, me, and, me and that girlfriend split up. And then one day shortly afterwards, I decided that I was just going to go into town. Like literally, we lived like a mile away from the city center. Going to walk into town, go into the nearest hair salon and just have it dyed red. And that was a completely random decision. Other than the fact- Random that, color. Other random. than the fact I like the color red, but the decision to dye it was completely random. So me and my friend walked into town, walked into the first hair salon, big salon, like a big property, but like nobody in and no need to book an appointment. And that should have been a warning sign, surely. But anyway, <laughs> uh, went in, I told them what I wanted to do. They said, okay, it's going to take like a long time. And they were convinced they'd have to like bleach it blonde first, which years later I found out it's not true. Uh, and they said, sit down. It took like four hours i think i probably got ripped off for it as well and oh uh, and, it, and it's effectively just stuck and i've changed hairdressers and refined the process over time uh, it doesn't take four so hours now does it takes it? like an hour and a half and there's no bleach involved but yeah so it's uh, it was a decision that was made relatively on the spur of the moment one day and yeah. Yeah. yeah well i like the fact that you you say on your website it's a lifestyle choice that's awesome <laughs> I'm going to say that when, when people say, why do you have pink highlights in your head? You know, you're too old for that. I'll be like, really? This is a lifestyle. So uh, I commend you on that. All right. What's your word? Rob, here's the deal. Every guest I ask, if you could think of just one word for the past 30 days, whatever it is that you feel you embodied the most, what would it be? Oh, this is easy for me. This is simplify. Simplify. Yeah. Okay. I think I know where you're going with that, but please explain. So, I mean, at the time of recording this, I don't know when this will air, but at the time of recording this, we're obviously in the, you know, the flow of this pandemic thing. And yeah. um, the pandemic... I think we're going to still be in the flu when it goes off. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the pandemic thing's been interesting for me because as part of my life, uh, I have to sort of compound Martel... Comp- compartmentalize it a little bit but one section of my life is obviously performing as an entertainer as a hypnotist Uh, and that area of my life has completely disappeared this year as with everyone else in the entertainment space yeah it's just not a thing and so that's allowed me a lot of time to focus on the other businesses I've got on focusing on my my podcast success unlocked and a whole bunch of other stuff and one of the things that I think is interesting about that is that I have sort of enjoyed and this sounds really weird i think but i sort of enjoyed this weird lockdown process we've been in and obviously every Mm. country around the world has experienced that differently but in the uk yeah we're still pretty much locked down and whilst we're in this process i've actually quite enjoyed it because it felt like the world had just taken a moment to pause now there was so much Mm. awful stuff going on as part of that and obviously we can't turn a blind eye to it but from my life personally it actually just forced me to pause a bunch of the stuff I had going on in my life, which ordinarily I probably wouldn't have done. Mm. And that has allowed me a certain amount of freedom to look at what I'm doing right, what I think I'm doing wrong, where I feel like I'm overworked and stressed and I've got too much happening. And actually the, the word for the last, not just the last 30 days, but the last few months has literally just been 
to simplify. So uh, in every area of my life, I've said, okay, great. How could I streamline that process more? How could I have somebody else help me out with that? How can I say no mm. to the things I don't want to do anymore? I've been able to take an entire theatre tour and push it back 12 months to next year. And that's made this year much more simple for me. So yeah, simplify is really the thing. You know what? I agree. I Because we're in the same boat. I was out there and doing a lot of speaking engagements and talks and I kept thinking, okay, in a few months I'll be back out there. And then I'm like, okay, we're going to have to re, I call it reset <laughs> and figure out what to do. Now, I'm sure you know about it and don't laugh here, Rob, but I just discovered TikTok. Where have I been? Do you know TikTok? So yeah, I downloaded it uh, with the, <laughs> without really much idea what it was. Like, uh, And now I'm a little bit obsessed. I was like, oh my God, well, I love to dance. How did I not know about this? But it's the same way because I wasn't doing all this stuff on social media, just like you were saying, you're doing other things. And now this is allowing you maybe to focus in a different direction. So for you, are you, are you able to go outside? Do you go to sit down in outside restaurants? Like, what are you able to do over there? Uh, so in terms of the rules of what you're allowed to do, there's currently this thing we've got called the rule of six. So you're allowed to meet in groups of no more than six. Uh, nobody quite understands the rules. You're allowed to meet in okay. groups of no more That's than six. That's us too. Okay, so we're in the same boat. Yeah, we, I've actually made the decision not really to go to restaurants and hang out too much in other places. I, I've been to the pub a couple of times just for a, a meal but uh, with, a, with yeah. a friend and that was really about it. Um, so I'm making the de- decision actually to stay indoors most of the time apart gotcha. from going to the shop. Mostly actually, again, as part of my mission of, uh, of being able to simplify i'm quite um i've got certain introvert qualities to me so i'm quite happy with my own company so I, i'm spending more time indoors actually but mostly by choice yeah yeah i get it. and it's the same way here i mean there's rules but they change and then are we you know able to do this and not and i think everyone's making a personal decision okay but we have to go into this i need to understand comedy stage hypnotist and can you hypnotize somebody over air <laughs> i just want to know you technically can. I've never really played with it, but I mean, certain like hypnotherapists and stuff quite often do it over Skype or Zoom now. Uh, okay. And, 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 and have clients all over the world who they're able to treat, but they couldn't if it was just a local geographical thing. Um, but I, uh, I've never done it, but it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely possible for sure. I, um, I got into it a little bit in a, of a weird way. When I was a kid, I was really terribly, terri- terrifyingly shy. And I was the kid who, if somebody came to the door, my mum would open the door and I would like hide behind her leg. And uh, growing mm. up, uh, about the age of four, I saw a magician at a kid's party and just fell in love with it. I was like, that's, that's a thing I need to learn. And so I don't remember this. I was too young, but I basically pestered my parents to buy me a magic set from the, magic sh- from the, from the toy shop, which yeah, they yeah. did. And I just became hooked on it. And it, it gave me a... It gave me like a like a cloak to hide behind. It gave me a thing to hide the shyness and the the introversion and all of that stuff behind. It gave me a, a weapon, I suppose, uh, to use against people to make myself look a bit more sociable than I really was. And uh, over time, a lot of magicians move into different areas of their life as they develop and they find new things mm-hmm. and become comedians, ventriloquists, jugglers, whatever. And I saw a hypnotist when I was 14 and thought, wow, that's cool. Partly because I didn't know whether it was real or not. I didn't know if they were just actors and playing along or whether that was a real thing. And I decided to learn it and I just immersed myself in it for a couple of years till I was about 16 and then decided to start trying it. And eventually magic, uh, as much as I still love it, I don't do it anymore. I just kept it as a hobby and decided to pursue uh, this career as a, as a stage hypnotist instead. Okay, so are you, when you say it's comedy, so is it real? Are you really hypnotizing people? Like, explain that to me. Like, that's where I'm not sure. 
Yeah. So, so I go out on stage. I talk for 10 minutes. I ask volunteers to come up on stage and, and participate. Uh, they come up on stage ready to be hypnotized. We hypnotize them and then we make them do crazy things for like an hour and a half, two hours, and then uh, send them, wake them back up, send them back to their seats with no <laughs> idea what they've done. Uh, and obviously their friends and family have the photos and videos to show them. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's, that's it. So where'd you learn to do that? I mean, not the funny part, but the hypnotist. Yeah. So I saw a hypnotist do a show when I was 14 and thought, this is awesome. And so I mentioned it to my dad and my dad's always sort of encouraged me to be, to be self-employed and to have my own business and to do my own thing, just because that's who I am as a person. I'm quite lazy. Naturally, I'm quite, um, I'm quite <laughs> sort of, I'm quite sort of averse to the idea of having a job or working for anybody else just because of yeah. the restrictions that puts on you most of the time. So I decided, yeah. um, so I decided I wanted to learn it and my dad paid the hypnotist to teach me how to do it. So one of the things ah. he did, he spent a lot of his time touring around the UK doing a show in pubs and bars and restaurants and, and stuff like that. And then he spent the, some of his time um, working with a handful of one-on-one -on -one clients. So he used to come over to our house and then we would watch videos of him doing shows and he'd walk, talk me through it and taught me what to do. And then at the age of 16, I, just, I was nearly 17, I decided to go out and do a show. So I offered some local pubs the chance to have a free show just because I'd never done it before and I, I didn't know yeah, it was yeah. going to work. Um, and a few of them took, loads of them must have thought it was a scam or something because they said no. Uh, and then a, a few of them said yes. So I went and did it. I think three of, three of them said yes. So I went and did those shows and he came along and watched that and like then got back together and we like critiqued it and worked out how to improve it. And, uh, and yeah. So, you know, you, you say people do all these silly things, but are you ever hypnotizing people for something they need to overcome in life? Like anxiety of going on stage or stop smoking or drinking? So I, I opted quite early on in life not to do the hypnotherapy route. So I did it for a, okay. a very small period of time um, just to say that I'd done it. So I did it for about a year. I teamed up with a lady who had like a health and beauty clinic uh, and she mm -hmm. had some spare treatment rooms that I could hire out. So I hired out a treatment room and I did a small amount of it for, you know, stopping smoking, losing weight, fears yeah. and phobias, that kind of thing. I was particularly interested if I was going to pursue it, I was going to pursue the sort of idea of fears and phobias and confidence and that kind of thing. Because that was mm. that had always been a big part of my life. And something that being a hypnotist and being a performer generally had helped me to overcome. So yeah. I decided not to pursue that route, but I have been my entire life obsessed with, how, since, since I learned hypnosis, how planting a little seed in your subconscious mind and allowing it to grow can do incredible things. So yeah. while I decided I didn't want to be a, I didn't want to be a hypnotherapist or a, a clinical hypnotist, I decided that I wanted to help people to use the technique and effectively to use the techniques that I go out on stage and make somebody believe they're Madonna or Elvis Presley or One Direction yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and to, to, to become more confident, to become, you know, less anxious, etc. You know, I'm glad that you said that, you know, it's planting the little seed in your subconscious because there are people that have said to me, well, you know, because I did get to meet with a lovely hypnotherapist that's right around the corner from me a year ago. And she said, Sandy, a lot of it, is just like meditation when you put those thoughts into your head and you listen to them over and over again and are repetitive. I don't know if you agree with that, but she said it's just you finally believing it and the repetitiveness of hearing it over and over again. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And it's interesting. I have a, I have like a, an audio program that I, I um, give away to help people like become more confident and all of that stuff. Uh, and I used to talk about it as being a, a hypnosis program. 
And actually, I realise some people are just terrified of the idea of being hypnotised, and that's perfect. Yes, yes. Um, so I don't really talk about that anymore. I say it kind of fuses like the idea of hypnosis with the idea of meditation, with the idea of mindfulness, and that's true. Yeah. Um, and so it had just to reframe it slightly for those people. But basically, uh, the the certainly in, in a personal development sort of world, there are so many parallels between it. It's just a very relaxed state of mind. If you ever found on a morning when you wake up, you go through that slightly groggy state where you're not quite mm-hmm. awake, but you're not asleep either. And the same thing happens on a nighttime when you fall asleep again that state that you pass through is effectively what hypnosis is and it's a meditative relaxed state the same as if you're driving down the down the motorway and you realize yeah. that you passed the the exit you were supposed to take five miles ago and it's because you were in what we've come to know mm. as autopilot mode but effectively that state is just very similar to what hypnosis is so that's why i really enjoy doing my meditation in the morning or at night like i because i before i'm getting out of bed, I find that's when it has the most impact on me. I'm sure that's most people. Totally. And it's because it's it's the closest you ever are over the course of your day, unless you take a nap, uh, yeah. over the course yeah. of your day to, to actually being in that state. So it's a really powerful time. Yeah. And I've realized, although I don't know, I should admit it. I, you know, I'm one that gets hypnotized easily. You know, the power of suggestion, like I'm, my friends call me gullible. I say I'm trusting. So if someone says, Sandy, you know, you can, you know, fly over there. I'd probably be the kid that was trying to fly off the roof. Like, so I guess some people are easily hypnotized, right? And some aren't. Yeah. So everyone can be hypnotized. There's this myth that some people can't be. Yeah, I thought they couldn't. Yeah. So everybody fundamentally can because we go into into and out of hypnosis all the time. It is just a natural state of mind. But there's two things I think are really important to know. One is the hypnotist never has any mystical power over you. It's not like a ray that comes out of my eyes and into yours and, and poof, you're off. Are you um, sure? Yeah. <laughs> it's very much about giving the person the framework to hypnotize themselves. So I just guide them through a process, effectively give them permission to do it. Um, yeah. And then and I'm a bit of an excuse for them to get into that state, I suppose. Um, and I guide yeah. them through that process. And the problem is that two things happen. One, sometimes people trick themselves out of it because the, uh, hypnosis is quite often not what people expect it to be when you experience it. Uh, it doesn't feel the way they think it's going to feel. And because it doesn't feel that way, they assume they're not hypnotized and therefore they snap out of it. Uh, the other thing is sometimes just like, certainly in the context of a stage show, um, sometimes people just don't really want to do it in front of all those people and they don't really want to worry about making a fool out of themselves and they don't really want to do it. So yeah. uh, again, they sort of, they might volunteer or they might get pushed up by their friends, but they, they sort of they sort of fight against it a little bit or sometimes they hear something from their friend yeah. in the front row that distracts them. So everyone can be hypnotized, but in the context of something like a stage show, there's always going to be something that, that doesn't, quite, doesn't quite jibe with some people and therefore they just come out of it. I find it fascinating. I really do. But I really enjoy the fact that you can take parts of it and use it. You have clients now, right? Yeah. So I sell, I decided rather than working with one-on-one clients, I wanted to sell online programs. So I have a number of different programs to help people with confidence and motivation and happiness and all of the stuff that I feel is important. Some of the stuff I don't help with like health and fitness, cause I haven't nailed that myself yet. But in terms of like being able to create a really balanced life uh, and, and it, it all starts in my opinion with the way that you think and, Absolutely. and, and functionally, um, the, the thing I've spent the last nearly 20 years mastering is figuring out how, how is it you can, again, plant that seed in somebody's mind and then water it so that it grows. And effectively, I am applying the techniques that I use on stage as a hypnotist in my programs, in my courses to help people think better, uh, both about themselves and the world around them and the reactions yeah. to it. 
Yeah. So you do, you said not individuals, it's all courses online. Yeah. I actually felt that I wanted to, I wanted to impact more people and the best way Mm -hmm. to do that would be to sell something at scale. So, um, I, and it also, uh, it falls in line with my own values in life, which is freedom and flexibility. So I try and keep things that are like appointment based to a minimum. I try and keep things that where I have to be at a certain place on a certain time and somebody expecting me to be there, uh, to a minimum. So in order to I suppose, meet the happy medium of benefiting as many people as possible, but also not having to be in a certain place at a certain time as often. Um, Mm -hmm. I decided that, yeah, I would take that online route. Well, okay. I want to back up and I want to comment on a few things you said. First of all, about the laziness. I'm not sure about that. I don't know you, but I don't think so. I think you just don't like to conform to the nine to five. Now that's me. I've only always worked for myself my whole life and had businesses. I'll work at four in the morning, but I'm not that person that likes to be told you got to punch in by nine. If you don't, you're going to be fired. Like, I don't like that conformity. I'm also like you that even though, yes, I have to schedule and tell you we have to record at this time. I still want the freedom of being able to decide that. And that's huge. So I feel as if what you're doing, though, like I'm looking at one of your first points and you're, you're saying focus on your strength. That's what you've done to build a business. You know that, you know, you're building something you would enjoy. You don't want to have all these appointments and you won't be able to be able to listen and plug in when they can. So look what you did. Yeah, I, I think I have this thing that most areas of self-development tend to get us to try and look at the things we're not very good at and make them better. And that's hard. It's depressing. It's not very good. And generally, it doesn't help us all that much. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. So one of the things, the closest I've ever had to a job was when I was 16. Um, I went to Spain to do, uh, to do a summer season uh, for British tourists who were going on holiday to Spain. And it was a big entertainment company run by a guy who I know. And he's got this massive entertainment company. And they have singers and dancers and magicians and jugglers and comedians and everything. And they basically, they're a little way south of Barcelona, and they basically supply entertainment to loads of venues and hotels and stuff. And so I went over there, I got a job there doing magic, and that meant doing a bunch of things. It meant that you had to like go to what they call welcome meetings, uh, where tourists have just arrived on holiday, and Mm. the holiday rep gets them together and tries to sell them tickets to everything, and had to do some close-up magic. And then you had to be there for that time, and there for that time. That's the closest I've ever had to a job, because all of my work was coming from one particular agency. And um, I was rubbish at it. Like I was really lucky that I was a friend of the guy or we were, you know, we were yeah. friends with the guy that owned it because I would have been fired so fast. Yeah. Like I was late for things on a morning and didn't sleep very well. Uh, and I just, I, I just would have been rubbish and, and I didn't enjoy it very much. I didn't get the fulfillment out of it that I knew I needed. So one of my weaknesses, and I call it laziness in a really jokey way. I, I don't yeah, take yeah. that too seriously. Um, one of my weaknesses is that is it, if you want to call it that, is that I don't like conformity. I don't like having to do all of that stuff. And so I decided, okay, great. That means that one of the parameters for my life means that I just don't have any of that in it. Yeah, I I agree. And I'm the same way. Like I was on a phone call and someone was giving me this great opportunity. And of course, my my husband, Rob, was like, oh my God, take it, take it, because he's thinking the money. And all of a sudden I got like it it was like my skin was crawling and my heart was pounding because if I took that opportunity, it would put me in a box where, oh my God, I have to do that every single day. (laughs) And I started getting up. I couldn't figure it out, Rob, because I was loving the concept of it. You know what I mean? But it, it felt like someone had just ripped my heart out. And then I realized it because I would have to follow their schedule every single day and be somewhere at a certain time. And it's like you said, I'm not lazy at all, but that's just not me. And I don't, when I was reading that, this thing where you say, focus in on your strengths and take them higher, 
when you start listening to other people, they may want you to do things, but that's because, you know, you're, they're not you and they're looking at their strengths and, you know, and maybe they also don't think, uh, you can build something and build it the way you want it, make money and be happy. Right. Absolutely. You know, so I was, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to talk to him because I need to get this out there in somebody else's opinion, especially with what's going on now, because a lot of people are starting their own businesses at home. Totally. Yeah. And it's becoming a bigger thing than it's ever been before. Even like people with just setting up side hustles that they never expect to be their full time thing. Um, I think it's so important. Yeah. Their side gigs is now their, their main hustle. So did you ever get into that where people would say to you, hey, you're lazy, you don't want to be there nine to five, like you'll never become anything? Did anyone ever do that to you or you were lucky not to have that? I was lucky enough that that never really happened in that. I mean, I never, apart from that one gig that I talked about in Spain, I never really took on anything else that was anything close to a job. I did do my, so in the UK, we do our A-levels and then go to university. So A-levels take you from like 16 to 18 and then you go mm-hmm. to uni. And I did my A-levels, which is, um, which is, which is good. And then I'd always been told my entire life that you should, uh, if you want to be like, if you want to have your own business or you want to be in entertainment or you want to do any of the stuff that I do, you should probably go to university, get a degree, be qualified and have this backup plan that you can fall back on. Plan B. Yeah, totally. In case the thing doesn't work out. Cause let's face it. Like if somebody, like I've got so many friends who are actors and they, and, and like, you know, the West end of London and stuff like that. And they spend so much of their life serving coffee in a coffee shop because it's hard, right? It's such a hard game. Absolutely. Like, um, and I don't envy it at all because your entire career is in somebody else's hands. It's in producers and, and casting directors' hands and stuff. And so um, I knew, so I was sort of told to take that route of like, have a job, have, have a good career that you can have as this backup plan. And it was actually my dad who's always had, um, he's always, he's always, he's, for most of his life has been self-employed, but in really good contracts for really good companies. And that's mm. pretty close to having a job. Um, and so he said to me, uh, not that long before I was, I was sort of, I was in the point where I had to make decisions about uni. And he said, I don't think you should go to university. And I said, whoa, because like everyone <laughs> growing up had told me the opposite. All of like the, yeah. the mentors yeah. of the, the magic societies that I was in, things like the magic circle, they all have the same view of entertainment is, is great if it works. It probably won't. So have a backup plan. And with all the luck in the world it pro- and hard work, maybe it will. And, you'll, and maybe you won't need the backup plan. But if you do, it's there. Anyway, my dad said to me that you've done your A-levels. That's the bit that would be harder to come back to later in life. But people go to university in their 50s now. Like, There's no reason why you can't become qualified uh, later. So you've done the hard bit, which is your A-levels. That's hard to come back to once you're older. Um, why, don't you, why don't you take a gap year, try the entertainment thing, try everything else you want to do. Uh, and I've tried lots of things. And just see what works and see. And, and I'm really glad that I did that. Because I, I, you know, I've never had a job, never went to university. I haven't got yeah. all of the debt that comes with going to university, etc. So, okay, you know, I've heard both ways, and it, sometimes it is really confusing to me because I've heard, you know, people that are amazing authors say, "Well, you know, don't quit your day job." I'm sure you've heard that, like because then you'll feel pressure to make money, and your book may not get published, and some don't make money. So make sure you keep a steady job, even if it's something you don't like until it breaks through. How do you feel about that? So I think that there are two options. One is, uh, an, an author is a great example. I haven't written a book yet, but it's one of the things I will do one day. Um, 
an author is a great example though because again a bit like being an actor a lot of your fate is unless you want to self-publish it a lot of your fate is in other people's hands like you yep. hear about the authors like jk Rowling, who sent off you know manuscript after manuscript and never got published until... mine was 37 <laughs> right so this happens right and yeah. so I totally understand that if you are an author of a, you know, any kind of book, fiction, nonfiction, whatever, if you're going to write this thing, you are putting so much trust and faith and hope into other people's hands, unless you go the self-publishing route, which is obviously very different. And, um, and effectively, that, that therefore stands to reason that you should make the decision to also have a job and have something secure, because at the end of the day, we all need money. But I have the attitude that... Mm-hmm. You, you can always have a, so with everything you do, you can always have a portion of the responsibility on other people. So for example, if you're going to write a book, for sure, you can send it to uh, all the publishers in the world and you can hope that one of them picks it up. And that's going to take a period of time, even just to send the damn things off, never mind knowing if you're going to get published yep. or not. But that that's fine. But there is a bigger amount of responsibility that you can take on your shoulders to figure out what you're going to do with it uh, if, if things don't go to plan or while you're waiting for things to go to plan. So for example... If somebody writes a book and they're going to send it to, I don't know, a hundred publishers to see what happens, that's going to take a period of time to send it off. It's going to take, a, I have no idea how long, but it's going to take a period of time to get reviewed. It's going to take a period of time to turn into anything financial. Yep. However, you have got, so, so, so that's putting the responsibility onto the, onto the publisher end of it. But you can take so much more responsibility to say, okay, great. So in the meantime, I need to do something else with the skills, the knowledge and the expertise or whatever that I've got. And I'm going to find a way to plug the gap and make that money between now and then. So I could run workshops and sell tickets, and that's 100% on me. I could create courses and sell those online. That's 100% on me. And this is just the author example, but I think it, it applies to most things. So I know um, one of my friends is a professional dancer who's never had to have a job serving coffee between big theatre gigs because the rest mm. of the time she's running fitness retreats and, and, um, and workshops gotcha. and stuff like that. So I think there's two ways to look at it. One way to look at it is, oh, well, being an author is hard or being an actor is hard or being an artist is hard or being anything is hard. Uh, and therefore, if you're going to, you know, you're going to have to slog at it and slog at it. And hopefully one day you'll get a break. And if you get a break, then it's going to be great. To give you an example from, from my world, about three years ago, three or four years ago, I made the decision that with my show, rather than being hired to go and perform at events, I wanted to tour a theatre show where people would buy a ticket to come and see the show. So I, I sort of got fed up of being... That, that like the high we have a joke in the northeast of england it's, it'd be the, where old people would call it the turn like the, the act that's on um so basically oh, rather than okay. being like the, the act when like you're interrupted you're, you're a professional interrupter basically like people are enjoying their night they're ch- catching up with oh people my God. And, then, and then suddenly the dj comes on and says right we've got a hypnotist now everybody clap 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 <laughs> clap clap and nobody gives a toss and you have to now like fight for their attention not my idea of fun at all i did it uh, I did it a lot. That was my like apprenticeship. I consider it, um, and I, I just I just didn't like it. So I decided because I have a, a I have an ego, <laughs> don't we all? And I just decided yeah. I'd rather do a show where people are buying a ticket. They're going to come down. They're going to sit down, and they're only there to watch me. And then when that's done, they'll leave, and that's that's that. Um, and there's no hypnotists really touring the UK, uh, right? Uh, so I just thought, well, so, that, that's me. Then I'll do it. And um, <laughs> okay. I I had spent so many years waiting and sending off demos and like waiting for a theater producer a theater producer to come along and say right we're going to put this show on tour because that'd be the best way to do it somebody else does all the work i just turn up i do the show i get paid a fee i don't have to worry about marketing or bookings or admin or any of that stuff i just turn up get paid and leave 
and all of the risk would be on somebody else's shoulders as well. Like they would take the entire risk of the project and just pay me a fee. And that wasn't happening. So I just made the decision. Okay, great. I could, it's the equivalent of the author sending off manuscripts. I can either yeah. wait and wait and wait, in which case I might be like, we've got, I'm sure it'll be the same in the States, but like we've got famous comedians who didn't get famous till they were 50. Oh, absolutely. Spent all of that time doing the slog to get there. So I thought, well, I don't want to be, I was in my late twenties. I was like, I don't want to be that person. Nothing wrong with it. I just don't want to do that. <laughs> okay. So how can I plug the gap? Because I can take the responsibility, right? At the minute, I've just put all the responsibility on the universe and on on, on everyone else thinking that, that I've got something. In the meantime, I believe I've got something. So why don't I put everything I've got into that while I'm waiting for somebody else to figure that out? Um, because let's face it, somebody else might never figure it out. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I made that decision. So I think with everything in that in that vein, if you've got a dream and a passion and something that you like aggressively want to chase you've got two options and they're both okay. And you can do them both. You can wait for somebody else to discover you and find you and help you and give you the leg up that you need. But in the meantime, don't sit and wait, like just do something else about it. And then that solves that problem. You know, Rob, I'm going to, I, I sometimes, you know, we get questions from people and we got a lot when I told people, you know, you were coming on and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how am I going to get through all these? Because there's so many great points. But I'm going to just throw three at you right now that I think really fit what you're talking about. And the first young man is talking about, he said, can you please ask Rob, (laughs) okay, can you please ask Rob to call my parents and tell them I do not want to go to college? It doesn't fit my plan. And then he says, ha ha, what can I do to show them I will still be successful as an artist without going to school. What a great question. And I'm really glad that's come in, you know. I, as I said, I was really fortunate that my, it was my dad's proposal to not go to university and, and take the other route. And therefore, I didn't have to do that convincing. Um, I think, however, to reverse engineer what happened in my life, I'd spent a, an awfully long time proving in tiny milestones along the way that that there, there was that there was something in what I was doing and therefore mm. it was probably okay. Um, so I think there's two things you can do here. One is try and find what are the small victories that you can get along the way between, and I, I don't know how old this, this guy He's is. a junior in high school. Okay, cool. So, so but, you're not going to call his parents? I just want to make sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want any confrontation going on. All right. I, I always make up names. Billy Bob, that's off the table. All right. Go ahead, Rob. So- in the time you have left now between now and going to college, for me, what I would be doing is looking for the tiny micro victories that prove that there is something in what you're trying to do. So mm. that could be anything that you want it to be. So for me, that was putting on small events and trying to sell some tickets and see if I could, if I could do a show that, that would come together and invite my parents along to check it out. Um, it was all of the things that, that actually I wasn't doing intentionally. I was just doing them from a place of passion and wanting to take action. But I realized over time, those were the tiny little um, snowballs that eventually make an avalanche that allowed my parents to come to the conclusion on their own that actually, do you know what? If he gives it a go, it will probably work. And if not, he can always come back to it, to the, to the academic route. Not that I am very academic, but I, I could have done no, something. No, no, I get it. And yeah. so that's the first thing. Um, and... I think if you start to do that, that's going to put you on the right path for sure. The second thing is to look at how you can basically is how you can flip around the priority of your dream and passion and the backup plan. So what most people want you to do is they want you to pursue the backup plan, what what you would want to be your backup plan as the as the primary driver and then build the 
the the passion thing, the art as a side hustle. And for me, you want to be able to swap those over and prove that that's a viable thing and that actually there's low risk to doing that. So for example, if you go, I don't know, like, I don't know in the States what the, like the finances of going to college and stuff are, but like in the UK. Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. Right. So in the UK, if you go to a, go to university and do like a three-year degree, you're going to come out like 30 or 40 grand in debt. And so, oh my God. All right. Just so you know, it's, it's averaging here, like it's, Forty-five to sixty-five thousand a year. Okay, cool. So, and it's four years minimum. You know? So, what I would be starting to do is I'd be starting to weigh up the two options and say, actually, do you know what? If you swap those around, what I'm actually trying to do is lower risk than that, because what I'm trying to do in pursuing my art is not going to get me forty to forty-five to sixty grand in debt. Um, it's going to have faster results mm. because I'm not spending years in the education system. And like the years you have to spend in the education system before you can possibly get a job with the stuff you've learned. And whereas with this, I can start doing it now and it could turn into something now. So for me, what I would do is I would say, listen, I'm not saying no to the idea. And and here's the thing. I'm a big believer that the problem with this is humans are stubborn, right? And what we're playing with here is effectively beliefs. Now, changing somebody's beliefs, like your parents' beliefs, is really hard to do. It's almost not worth trying to do. Changing somebody's <laughs> core beliefs is impossible. So what you have to do instead is you have to build on somebody else's beliefs. And then if you think about it oh, like an arching good one, good one. think about it like an arching rainbow, they're over there on the left and you want to get them on the right. Uh, you have to build on their beliefs. And effectively, if you keep building, but you slowly move those beliefs over to the to the right hand side, eventually that, that rainbow arches all the way around and eventually you can build somebody to, to the opposite of what they currently believe. So for example, their current belief is that if you go to college and you get the get you know qualifications and you rack up all this debt and all of that stuff, they believe that's a more secure route than taking the art route. Yes, yes. Trying to persuade them otherwise is hard. Like I said, it's almost impossible. But what you can do is you can start to stack those beliefs over time and change their beliefs by saying things like, maybe it starts with, look, um, if I go to college, that means I'll get a qualification and that's that that could lead to a job, right? And they say, yeah, that's true. That's their current belief. To build on that, you could say, of course, there are loads of people who go to college, get qualifications and don't get a job. There are loads of them, loads of people, loads of people that happens to. And they say, well, that's true. Now, I've built on a belief they already have, and I'm just slowly starting to arch it around to where I want it to be. Ooh, I like that. And eventually you can actually just transition it so that what you're trying to do now becomes lower risk than, than doing that. So for me, what I would be looking to do is I would be looking to lay out a sensible plan over a period of time with your parents on board that says, here's what I actually want to do. I'm going to give myself 12 months or two years, something like that, in order to make this process work. Here's what I'm going to do in that time. Like, don't expect them to just assume that it's all going to work out without you doing anything. So here's what I'm prepared to do in that time in order to make this plan work. And if it gets to that period of time where this just hasn't worked out, I will make sure that I've put a backup plan in place. Now that could be going and getting qualified later. It could be doing like uh, online qualifications, which exist now. It could be to do with having uh, having a side job that at least allows you to pay your way through that period of time. But at the end of two years, you'd be probably a, you know, halfway in the UK, it'd be halfway through an average degree. And effectively, you're now in a position where you've had a good two-year runway to prove the point. If you have to pay your way, which we all do, you can get a little side job somewhere that's just going to pay you know, a basic rate just to get you going and support the dream. But I think if you realize that actually going to college is, is a massive risk because you come out of it with this huge debt, you're probably going to end up in a job that you didn't want to do um, if you do get a job. So I think if you can just reverse the risk uh, for, for your parents, that's going to serve you massively. 
I love this. This is so great. By the way, I've been drawing rainbows <laughs> on my piece of paper because I wasn't going to ask the next question, but, you know, Jean, it goes right into it. So I don't know if you may know we're having a major election over here and, you know, everyone's at each other's throats. And so it's not fun. And everyone, even me, are trying to get me to go, but did you see this? You should be mad. And I'm like, oh God. But this woman is saying, how can I get someone to change their mind? I love this. How can I get someone to change your, their mind when I know, and this is like, I, I'm trying to clean it up because there's a lot of swear words in here. So I don't know how to say this, but it's basically saying, I know they're wrong and they're making a big mistake if they vote for that person. And I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> Rob's going to answer that because we're just talking about core beliefs. It's hard to change someone's core beliefs. So she, that's her question, Rob. So one of the things you can't do is you can't do it by being rational and you can't do it with logic and you can't do it with argument because... And all, swearing, right? And swearing, this is not right, when yeah. you, like, you should see all the... They're idiots, they're da-da-da. And, and you get it on both sides, you know? Totally. So, so with everything that's going on in the pandemic, I have seen, uh, we all have seen a, a, a massive surge in the number of conspiracy theorists who have theories about, you know, the Illuminati and all the sort of dark controlling forces, the, you know, the, the wealthiest families in the world trying to run the world. Now, personally, yes. I don't believe any of that's true. I believe that the governments are wi wi are widely quite useless and they haven't responded very well. But I believe if I was in power, I would have done the same thing and made the same mistakes probably. And I wouldn't have done it any better. So I, I don't look at the government from a place of... Oh, I love the way you said that. All right. Sorry. Go. Keep going. Yeah, that's cool. So I don't look at the... I, I'm, so, so there's a whole raft of people, certainly in the UK, I can't really speak for the US, but in the UK who are saying, you know, like um, there's a whole raft of people who are saying that the, the government are in on it and their puppets being controlled by like the, you know, the big wealthy families. There's a big raft of people in the UK who are saying that the government are trying to control us and that's where the mask wearing thing has come from and this is all part of this oh, to God. beat us into submission and then there's the rest of us who are saying no no just they're rubbish at it and that's that and I've taken it further than that by saying that they're rubbish at it I think we were scared into thinking um into thinking we had I, I don't think I think the, the, my honest opinion is the current measures are a little bit stronger than they actually need to be in the UK right now um and that the, that's happening from the government's place of fear not control yeah, yeah, I gotcha. And so one of the things I've got into recently by accident is arguing with conspiracists on Facebook. So there's a whole bunch of people on my Facebook. As you know, you've allowed like 5,000 friends on Facebook. I think I'm yeah, pretty yeah, close. Yeah. And I don't know a lot of these people very well. And there's a lot of them have just popped up and, and, and got all of these, what I believe to be crazy conspiracy theories. No offense to anyone listening who subscribes to those theories. <laughs> no, but basically, not taken. <laughs> I've ended up in a whole bunch of arguments with people on Facebook, which I've now stopped doing. Like I've just made a, resolve, a, a resolution to stop doing it. But... Um, where they're like posting stuff online that they believe to be true. And mm -hmm. a lot of the time they're just copying and pasting another post and sharing yeah, it themselves yeah, yeah. or directly sharing it. And like a quick fact check tells you that none of the things they're saying are true. Right. And um, like undeniably not true. And so, I, but, but I found that no matter how, how hard you battle it with logic, you just can't change their beliefs. They're never going to change their mind. No way, they, no how. Because they believe so strongly in the cause. And so one of the things I think you have to do, and this is not the answer that you're going to want, uh, question asker, <laughs> is um, you have to be prepared to 
allow them to make the decision they're going to make. And I realize that that affects your life as well, because if, if everyone else makes the, does the vote that you don't want them to do, like if they vote for the person you don't want them to vote for, that would affect your life because that person gets into power and you yep. don't want that to happen. So I realize their decision collectively is going to affect your life. However, Unfortunately, there is nothing you can do to change it. And anything you could do to change it, like hypnotizing people, would be unethical. Uh, Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. We could do that. Come on. (laughs) So for me, but but if this helps you put it into any sort of perspective, I am of the belief that... because obviously, uh, you know, ele- any election can go one of two ways. It can go the way you want it to go, or it can go the way you definitely don't want it to go. There's never, there's very rarely a middle ground. Yeah. Um, I have made the decision in my life, and this goes back to something that we talked about earlier. I made the decision in my life that actually, whoever gets into power in the UK, um, which is all that affects me, whoever gets into the power into power in the UK, uh, they may well not do what they say they're going to do anyway. They may well make mistakes that will harm me, my businesses, my friends, my friends' jobs, everything like that. I've made the decision to focus purely and solely on the things that I personally can control. And what I can't control is who gets into power. I can place my vote, so at least yeah. I'm throwing my chip into the table and saying, like, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a go. But I'm going to focus on the things that I can absolutely control in within my own life. And they change from year to year because laws come in and things change and tax rules change and all this other stuff. And new politicians come into power and things become illegal that weren't before. But I'm going to, I'm going to focus today and tomorrow and the next day and next week and next month and next year on the things that at that time I can control. And the minute you do that and you let go of all the stuff you can't control, I think you instantly yeah. become happier. So I think you have to be there for the person accept they're making what in your view is the wrong decision and, <laughs> if she really thinks it's wrong for sure and maybe one day they'll come around to your point of view maybe 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 they won't maybe they won't like maybe that just will never happen maybe no matter how if that politician if that if that president gets in and and it turns out to be the worst thing that happens ever they may still they may still believe that they made the right decision and that's okay there's nothing you can do about it apart from just be there for them yeah. and and focus on what you yeah i think it's really hard when people really get their heels dug in, I say, to admit you're wrong. <laughs> you know, most people, even if you're sitting there and there's logic, like you said, and you check the facts and you go, no, look at these facts. I've had people say, I just don't believe them. I just don't believe them because you're right. They're set in their ways. They're set in your beliefs. And I'm totally on board with you. You know, you can only do and live, you know, the way you want to and put it out there. That's all you can do, you know? There's nothing else you can do. You're not going to change them. All right, we got to get this in because there's so many. I, I got so many questions for you, which was great when I told them who was coming on. But I'm trying to pick the top ones here, Rob. The the thing you said, as far as one of your points, thoughts planted in our mind drive our success, happiness, and confidence. We're going to go off that. This young man wants to know. Hey, I hear. <laughs> hey, I hear my mom always saying these. Okay, he said goofy, but I don't think they're goofy. Goofy, positive affirmations. Is it really going to work? Is it really going to change her life? And then he says, dot, 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 doesn't look any different to me. (laughs) It's like, oh my God, that's pretty funny. Yeah. So um, here's my my thoughts. Uh, I recently joined a gym like a month ago. I decided I'm going to go back to the gym. And I went to the gym and I don't really know what I'm doing there. Like um, I used to go to like an outdoor workout boot camp thing. And the reason I like that is because there was somebody who just told me what to do. And that way I knew I was doing it right. And so I decided, okay, great. In that case, I'm going to book a couple of sessions with a personal trainer who's going to help me like put together a routine. So at least I know I'm doing the right thing. And so went in there, did that. Now I know what I'm doing and that's fine. 
Now, after the first couple of sessions, I know I'm doing the right things because I've had a qualified person who I trust telling me that they're the right things to do. But I came home and, you know, I was getting changed and I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought, well, I haven't lost loads of weight yet. And the same thing is going to happen with affirmations. Uh, and there's two bits to this. The first one is that doesn't happen overnight. Being positive and thinking positive things doesn't make a difference overnight. The second thing to bear in mind is that if you look at it from such a cynical point of view, it, it actually won't work. A lot like a lot of the time, like people come up on stage to be hypnotized in my show and they come up with their arms crossed and they're doing it purely to prove me wrong or to prove that it's nonsense. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. And the truth is, I, I, I say this at the start of the show, I can't hypnotize you against your will. This is not going to work. So if you come up here and you try and fight it, you're going to be wasting your time, my time, the audience's time, and I'm going to send you back to your seat. You're gonna, you are going to go back to your seat. So don't bother volunteering, but people still do sometimes, not very often, but sometimes. And I think if you fight it, then positive thinking and all of that stuff will just never work. It, it just can't work. And I used to be very cynical about affirmations and stuff, used mm. to be for years, until I just changed my outlook on, on how they work. I used to believe that it was about manifesting and requesting things from the higher forces in the universe, and, and I'm not really into that. That's not my bag. However, I came to realize that actually, when I look at it from, put my hypnotist hat back on and think about it in that respect, I realized, actually, this is just what I do on stage. One of the big things that happens in stage hypnosis is a thing called suggestion and repetition. So a suggestion on a stage hypnotist point of view is the thing I tell somebody is they're going to believe. So when you, when you wake up, you will believe that you are lying on the beach or when you wake up, you will believe you were in a nightclub. That's the suggestion. But then it gets repeated several times over a period of, of, of that show to make sure that it's sunk in and make sure that they're actually going to go and do it. And so I, I realized that actually what affirmations actually are is the suggestion and repetition element of what I do on stage, but without the hypnosis bit. And that means it takes longer because your brain isn't receptive as receptive as it is when it's hypnotized. And also these are things you want to last for a lifetime. They're not things you want to last for three minutes until the music stops and then I go on to the next thing. So yeah. for that reason, this works in exactly the same way as when I tell somebody they're going to believe they're Madonna or whatever. The difference is you're doing it without hypnosis and that means it takes time. It still takes belief, and, and so you have to be accepting and open to it, and you have to be willing to just keep going with it. But the, the truth is, is this, that most of us spend our lives blindly thinking the way that we think, because what happens is our subconscious mind is permanently collecting billions of bits of information every second and then putting them all together in a way that makes sense to, to, to you, to, to your own subconscious mind. And then it hands those thoughts to your conscious mind, which is the voice in your head, the one that makes you think these things are goofy, right? And so yeah. what's happened is that the problem is that happens. Your subconscious mind is A, not really qualified to do that. And B, it does it from a frame... Uh, it does it with, within its own frame of reference from what you believe and all the stuff you've collected over a period of time. And so what that means is that if you believe that these things are goofy in the same way that I believe that they must be spiritual mumbo jumbo, you're, fu <laughs> yeah. you're, fun you're fundamentally putting that stuff together from from that frame of reference. And that way, when you stop and think, oh, oh this is goofy, this is not going to work, that's actually your subconscious mind taking your frame of reference and putting all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together with stuff that's happened over the course of your entire life up to this point and putting that thought forward. So one of the things I would encourage everyone to do, and this is just a major point anyway, is to be as critical of your own thoughts, uh, negative thoughts, as you <laughs> are of somebody you've never met before who's telling you something. So if you were like walking down the street and a stranger stopped you in the street and, and tried to sell you something, you're going to be more critical and cynical and skeptical about that person than anyone you've ever met in your life. And sometimes when you get a negative thought in your mind, like 
is this going to work? Is this just goofy? Is there any point to this? Can I do this? And and it's everything. It's negative beliefs about yourself. It, it, it's a whole bunch of stuff. When you get any yeah. sort of negative thought, be as critical of that thought as you would be of somebody you've never met before. Because actually what you're actually doing, the, the thought you've actually had has been put together, again, based on all of your experiences, all of your thoughts, everything anyone's ever said to you, everything that's ever happened to you, everything you've ever seen or heard, all put together by your subconscious mind and then handed to your conscious mind. And it feels like a spur of the moment thought. You you feel like that must be that must be what I believe at my core. But actually, when you start to question it as an outsider looking at your own thoughts, which sounds like a dead bizarre thing to do, sometimes you just start to question it and say, but is that really how I feel? And have I actually done the research on that? And have I really thought that mm. through? Or is this just my spur of the moment thinking? I like that. Rob, we're, we got to wrap up because I had to do rapid fire with you, but I'm going to put in this last question. and And John wants to know, have you, I love this one. Have you ever got someone to dance and sing really good who thought they couldn't dance or sing? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, it, it, don't get me wrong. It's not going to, re- hypnosis is not going to replace your, re- replace your vocal cords and, and make you not tone <laughs> deaf. And if you couldn't play the piano before you can't suddenly play the piano under hypnosis. But a lot of the time, uh, people's inability so i know like people who are singing teachers and stuff and one of the things i learned from singing teachers is that a lot of the time the reason people can't sing is because they don't sing with confidence so if you imagine somebody who's really nervous walking up to a microphone at like a wedding or something to make a speech it almost sounds like they can't talk because they're so nervous and the same thing happens when people sing and stuff Uh, and so effectively when you take away somebody's inhibitions because they, they believe they are madonna why would they have inhibitions they actually yeah. are much better singers than they thought they were. And they attribute yeah. it to some sort of hypnotic magic that's made them suddenly able to sing. But actually all it is, it's removing the wobble from their voice and the fact that most people like whisper instead of sing. And uh, yeah, 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 so yeah, that yeah. is quite remarkable. Same thing with dance. Now, I'm not recommending this, but I've gone to quite a few weddings and my own where people get drunk and they get up on stage and you're like, holy moly, they can sing or look at them dance, but they're drunk. But it's the same thing. It's the inhibitions are gone. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you ready for rapid fire? I'll try. Fun, fun, fun questions. First of all, favorite food? Um, so I like uh, shepherd's pie. Is that a worldwide thing? I don't know. Uh, yes, it is. And I love shepherd's pie. And I almost ate it every day when I was over there. Okay. Favorite color? Red. If you could look at your favorite day and design it, what would it look like? Uh, what, in terms of like my daily activity? If you, yeah, you're going to close your eyes and say, Sandy, from morning to night, this is what one of my favorite days would look like. Oh, easy. Um, I get to, I get to drive or be driven uh, with my friend to a city where I'm going to do my show that night. And we spend the day exploring the city while our little team put the show together into the theater. I go out, I perform, I have a great time. I hang out with the audience a little bit after the show. We go to a hotel, stay overnight, get up the next day, ready to drive to a new place and explore somewhere new. Hmm. I like that. Okay, what's one thing you can tell everyone that they may not know about you? Um, oh, everyone that they may not know about me. I have, um, I am obsessed with penguins. <laughs> really? Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 we went to Edinburgh Zoo last year. And uh, they have the penguin parade where they let the penguins out and they go on a little walk around the the little audience thing. And I like cried with happiness. Like, I love penguins. I I love penguins too, but I'm I'm obsessed with elephants. But wait a minute. Why? Why? Before that, like, were you always like as a kid obsessed with penguins? 
I don't know why. There's just something about them. Something about the story and the 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 like a lot of facts that you learn about penguins, like the pebble thing when they propose and all of that stuff. Uh, I just think I just think they're incredible animals and they look cute. I used to have like a, a money box thing that was a little a little ceramic penguin. Yeah, always love penguins. What do you like to do in your spare time? What are some of your hobbies? So I don't have any spare time or hobbies. And the reason for that is, and this sounds, this sounds, this sounds really corny and like I'm talking out of my, out of my butt, but it's not, it's not, um, I only do stuff. It's one of my rules. I only do stuff that I really enjoy. And so one of my friends was talking about the fact that I was working on a Saturday. I was doing some stuff in the office on a Saturday. And she said, well, why are you doing that? It's Saturday. I was like, well, because it's just another day. And like, this is what I enjoy doing. So that's what I'm going to do. So what, what other people see is why are you working all the time? Is yeah. literally me going, well, because that's what else would I be doing? Well, I mean, but do you, you don't enjoy taking hikes or running or, you know, weaving or knitting or anything? <laughs> I like some of those things if other people like, like arrange them and then invite me to them. But I, if in terms of off my own, uh, and this is, uh, this is a thing, off my own thing, I would most of the time be much happier sitting writing or doing my work. Doing or, your work. Yeah. yeah. All right. I got it. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Do you watch shows or binge shows? So I like really, um, I like chick flick films for sure. Uh, anything, anything soppy, soppy and funny and romantic. I, I'm into that sort of thing. Is there anything you're watching right now? Not in that vein, but we're currently binge watching on Netflix. There's a show in the UK called Gogglebox, which is just, you're watching other people watching the television. Uh, and it's it's terrible, but it's hilariously. Wait funny. a minute, I got to write it. What? Could you? So it's a, Brit, a British TV show from Channel Four, and it's uh, it's called Gogglebox, and it's literally a bunch of ordinary people. They're not famous, well, they are now, but they're they're just regular people who work in coffee shops or whatever, sitting watching the television. And the the, the TV crew put a camera above their television, and the, you just f- they're filming them talking about the programs they're watching, and it's the funniest thing. All right, I got to check that out. Rob, we got to go. Is there anything that we didn't get in that you would like to say? Now's your time. I suppose my big philosophy, uh, and it's probably come out over the course of this, is that you should spend every single day doing the thing that you enjoy or, st- or taking a step towards doing the thing that you enjoy. And, and know that it's okay to set rules and boundaries and parameters of what you want your life to look like. And don't allow other people to cross those parameters. Don't allow people to force you to do things you don't want to do. Just live, live a life that is 100% on your terms most of the time. It can't be all of the time, but most of the time you live on 100% of your terms. And effectively know that every single day, if you are taking one step forward uh, in your life to, towards that, that goal, then, then you're on the right path. Good advice. How can they reach you? Uh, so a couple of things. I have a podcast as, as well, which actually your book does a guest on. So I'm dead excited to record. I am? That. Uh, you can listen to the podcast. Just go to successunlocked.com. Or if you go to successunlocked.com forward slash keep it real, um, I've got a little toolbox of personal development activities and stuff I'd love to give you for free as a listener to the podcast. So go to successunlocked.com forward slash keep it real and you'll be able to download that for free. You know what? I was, I was telling him I was like stalking him a little because I always look up my guest ahead of time. But I was lo- I love, by the way, I love your website. It, it's ingenious. It's great. It's wonderful. It really paints a picture of who you are and, and what you're doing. And I'm so proud of you for putting this out into the world. It's just magnificent stuff. But it's keep it real. And that's so funny. And you're on let's keep it real. Are you joking with me, Rob? That's- Especially for your listeners. That's why. 
<laughs> okay. I just chopped the lettuce. Because I was like, wait a minute, it. that's pretty funny. <laughs> so how long have you been doing, by the way, I did listen to some of your podcasts and you got to check out his podcasts. They're really good. You do a phenomenal job. Thank you. Yeah. How long have you been doing that? Uh, we're literally like, at this, the point of recording this, we're only like 17 episodes published. So it's a, it's a pretty new thing. And um, you're you're kicking butt with it, dude. You really are. You're doing a great job. Thank you. I enjoy it. Awesome. And that's why I do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love your angle on things and you're putting out so many positive, powerful things in a funny, lighthearted way. I know you're going to touch a lot of people. All right. My let's keep it real people. You know, he kept it real. So have fun with it. Share with your friends. Subscribe. Go over to his site. I'm telling you, you're going to love his stuff. You're going to love his workshops. And tell me all about it. Tell me what you did with them. I want to hear it. Cool beans? Cool beans. Until next time, you know what I'm going to say. Toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.